Good singing, too. I'd love to hear stories and testimonies of people who get saved. How about you? It's fine. It's neat to hear God's working in someone's life. And no two stories are alike. I hope you've got a story, a testimony tonight. I hope you've got a story of how God has worked in your life to bring you to saving faith in Jesus Christ, his son. And if he hasn't, then maybe you can start working on a story tonight. The story I'm thinking about in the, in the Bible here is in Acts chapter 8. It's how God took the gospel to Africa. God has a heart for the, all the peoples of the earth. All the peoples of the earth. And he has a heart for people in all the continents. I'm going to pull this so I can move around a little bit. So he has a heart for people in Africa. He has a heart for people in South America. He has a heart for people in the Caribbean. He has a heart for people here in South Florida. And it's fascinating to me the extent God will go to to save just one soul. That's how important each person is to God. Now, there are several lessons we learn from this story of the Ethiopian. Well, he's a eunuch, but I like to think of him. He would probably rather us think of him as the Ethiopian treasurer. He happened to be a treasurer for the queen. So he was in a very responsible position, kind of like a prime minister, probably, because he handled all the money for the for the kingdom. And, of course, Candace was the queen at that time in Ethiopia. Everybody know where Ethiopia is, right? Right above the Horn of Africa. I didn't see any hands, but I'm sure you know where Ethiopia is. And the story begins in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now, this isn't Philip the apostle. This is Philip the evangelist. He's one of the seven that were appointed in Acts chapter 6. And the angel of the Lord tells him, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. You maybe have seen in the news sometimes stories about the Gaza Strip, which means it's a strip of land along the Mediterranean. That's where the Palestinians have a territory there, and you hear about a lot of the, the Katusha rockets going out into Israel from Gaza. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. And it's the gateway from Asia through the Middle East into Egypt and Africa. The main coastal route goes through Gaza. So this Ethiopian treasurer had been to Jerusalem to worship. And he's in a, a very special chariot because he's a very prominent person. And he probably has an entourage with him, guards and and people carrying some of the goods that he brought. And he's on his way back to Ethiopia. And you've got to go through Gaza to go back to Ethiopia. So he's on his way. Now to me, the first lesson we see here, you notice an angel of the Lord commanded Philip to go. Why didn't the angel go do it? Could the angel have shared the gospel with the Ethiopian? Sure could have. But one of the things we learn in the book of Acts, that God's method is not to use angels to share the gospel. He uses people like you and me. He might use an angel to send somebody to tell the gospel, but the angel doesn't tell the gospel. People do, you and me. 
That's how your friends and family members are going to come to know Christ through you if you're a believer here tonight. And God wants you to do that. He wants all of us to do that. Especially in the times we're living in. We've been talking about that all week. That, that the night is far spent. And, and the day is far spent, I'm sorry I should say. And the night is approaching. When no man can work. When gospel meetings will be pretty much non-existent. It'll be hard to share the gospel. So Philip, the second thing we learn is in verse 27. What does Philip do? Does he argue with the angel? Does he say, well, you know, I got an appointment tomorrow and I was supposed to meet with some other people this afternoon. I, I don't know if I can go. Is that what he says? He arose and went. He was available. Are you available tonight? Are you available to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If you're a believer here tonight, he wants us to be available. You never know when he's going to tap you on the shoulder, not physically, but in, in your own heart, and say, look, that person over there, everybody's ignoring him, everybody's ignoring her. Go over there and talk to him. Become a friend. Tell him about Jesus' love. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. And then we become an instrument. An instrument of God. For good in somebody's life, right? And, and that's when your life counts for something. When I was your age, I wanted my life to count for something. I didn't think I was going to live to be 30 because I was burning the candle at both ends. And I wanted my life to count for something. How about you? In the end, when you look back on your life, you want to, to show that there's anything to show for it? I'm sure you do. And one of the ways we do that is being available to the Lord. Always ready. Always prayerful. Remember how Paul put it to Timothy? In season and out of season. Sometimes it's seasonal. In other words, it's easy to give the gospel. Other times it's difficult. That's the out of season. But if we're in prayer before the Lord, we're ready. We're ready to do it. So Philip was ready. So he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. This is verse 27, if you've got your Bible in front of you. He had a great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of how much of her treasury? All of it. <laughs> he had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He may have been Jewish. There's, a, there's a, still a large segment of Jewish people in Ethiopia today. And I've met some black people in, in the Middle East, in Jerusalem and around the area that are Jewish from Ethiopia. But they've moved to the Middle East or moved to the area around Jerusalem. So he could have been there and that's why he was up there worshiping. He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. Remember all the males three times a year had to go there for those three big feasts. So he's returning, he's sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He just happened to be reading Isaiah the prophet. This is one of the seasonal times. He's reading the Bible. You see somebody reading, you have a friend of yours at school, and they're reading the Bible. Wow, that's an open door, isn't it? It's a lot easier to move in and try to direct them and help them understand what they're reading. So he's reading Isaiah the prophet, 
And the Spirit now, it was the angel of the Lord in verse 26, and now it's the Spirit of the Lord in verse 29, says to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now, did he hear an audible voice? Or did the Spirit just confirm that in his heart? We don't know. But Philip knew. And this is what we talk about when we say being guided by the Lord, being in step with the Lord. It's a living relationship. It's a walk. It's not a dead religion. If you're born again, it's a living relationship with a living God, and it's an adventure. Every day is an adventure. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're out of fellowship with the Lord, it's not much of an adventure, is it? In fact, someone who's a Christian that's out of fellowship with the Lord is more miserable than an unbeliever. Because they know better, right? They know enough that they're missing something. So Philip does what he's told. He ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And, and in verse 30, here's the third point that's so, so valuable that we learn here from this story. You see the question he asks him? It's important to be reading the Bible. That's good. That's always good. But the key question is, do you understand what you're reading? I read the Bible for years before I was saved. I wasn't saved until I was 26. And I read the Bible in my teen years. I read, my, read the Bible in college. But it was like reading somebody else's mail. Didn't make any sense. It was frustrating to me. I'd close the book and put it away, but I'd, sometimes it made me feel religious to read it, so I would do that. Because I had enough of a conscience that said I needed to be a little religious. But Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? It's good you're reading, but do you understand it? And look at his answer. And this might be the answer you're going to get tomorrow, or Monday, or Tuesday this week in sharing the gospel with someone. They may say to you, how can I? Unless someone guides me. <laughs> That's an open door, isn't it? How can I understand? Are you willing to guide me? Are you willing to show me that I might understand? See, that's what it means to be an instrument of blessing in someone's life. And this is a blessing that's eternal. It's not just a blessing, you know, we can be a blessing if we give them some clothes or give them some food if they're destitute, right? And that'll get them through a few days or maybe a week. It isn't going to help them for eternity. The thing that helps them for the eternity is the gospel. So yes, we want to give them clothes. We want to give them food. We want to help them with shelter. Those are the basic things we want to help them with, and maybe with medical care if we need to. But we don't want to skip the part, the most important part, the gospel, right? We want to make sure they understand. Now, we can't make them believe. I can't make any of you believe that aren't believers tonight. And God, who could make you believe, he chooses not to. Isn't that something? The power of God, he could make you into a robot and make you believe if he wanted to. He can move mountains. But that's not his way. His way is for us to voluntarily respond from our hearts. He made us responsible, thinking, decision-making people. And he wants us to choose to want to believe in Christ. And the passage he's reading, Philip comes up and sits with him, and the place in the scripture, verse 32, which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What's he reading from? 
Isaiah 53. Thank you. One of the most important chapters in the entire Bible. John MacArthur gave us a one-hour message in Houston back in September. I think it's on the Internet now. Just on that chapter, it was one of the best uh, expositions of Isaiah 53 I've ever heard. It's fascinating how important this is. And he just pulls out a part of it here. And it's the verses that follow, verse 6, which says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us, every one of us has turned to his own or her own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Lord Jesus, God the Father, the Lord has laid on him, the Lord Jesus, the iniquity of how many of us? Of us all. That's Isaiah 53, 6. And then this, he's reading in verse 7 and 8. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. See, the Lord Jesus was taken from the earth as a young man. He didn't have any generation. He didn't have any offspring. He hadn't been married. didn't have any children. So he's taken. He's killed. And there's no generation to follow. At least that's what it looks like, right? But it turns out he has an enormously large generation of people after him. People like you and me who are believers in him. We're part of his generation, see? So God worked it for good. But our Lord had to go through humiliation on the cross before he could get glorification and exaltation in his ascension after the resurrection, right? And he's ascended now. He's in the place of glory now at the Father's right hand. He's in the place of exaltation. And he will never suffer humiliation again. Praise God. Once was enough. Once was enough. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you. The most important question in the whole passage, verse 34. <laughs> I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? So he understood that the prophet was speaking about someone really important here. But who's he speaking about? He's talking about himself, Isaiah, or someone else. That's what we call an open door to the gospel. Because all that Philip has to do now is do what? Is explain Jesus to him. To tell him, hey, yeah, we know who this lamb is. Who went to the slaughter for us is. And it just happened. There in Jerusalem. And Philip then opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus. So that's a fifth lesson we see here, right? He didn't preach religion to him. He didn't preach the Ten Commandments to him. He didn't give him a bunch of lessons on what the temple looks like, did he? With someone who's lost and needs to be found, you preach Jesus to him. You preach the person of Jesus to them. His human name. The name that suffered for them personally on a cross 2,000 years ago. 
then we can work on other teachings that are part of discipleship, basic discipleship. But to someone who's lost, they need to know that Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. Don't assume they know that. Don't assume they know anything of the gospel. Even if they're people that have gone to church, don't assume they know. When I was saved, I didn't even know I needed to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Once I was convicted of my sin, and that took nine months of hearing Bible teaching every night on the radio, and finally it, it registered because I didn't think I was a sinner. My religion said I wasn't a sinner. But the Bible said differently. But once I was convicted of my sin, that's not enough to be saved. Right? You've got to know that someone died for that sin. And that that death was received by God, was efficacious, was propitiatory. And then we have to know to call on the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. In other words, God's saying, I'm not going to force myself on you. And even if you understand the gospel and you understand the gift that I'm offering, if you don't take the gift, it's not yours. Right? If I had a Rolex watch, which I don't, I don't wear a watch. But if I had a Rolex watch and I took it out and handed it to you and said, take it, it's a free gift. It's not yours until you take it, right? And you can look at it, you can admire it, and you can say, boy, I'd like to have it. But you've got to receive it to yourself. And that's what we need to tell people who are lost. They don't know that. They're confused about a lot of things. They may be emotionally frustrated. They may be going through difficult times. And we need to be compassionate with them. And we want to give them time, too. So what's going to happen? Well, the Ethiopian treasurer believes the message. And now the next first step of obedience for a born-again Christian is baptism. And evidently, Philip explained that in his presentation of Jesus. He may have gone to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which says that as you go, be making disciples of how many nations? All. All nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all the things that I've commanded you. So before you get to the teaching, the discipleship part, baptism is the first thing that's mentioned, right? That's what it means to be making disciples. That's what God's doing today. He's making disciples of people. Not just converts. He wants disciples. Followers. Learners, people who are committed to doing his will in their lives, right? So they go along the way. And as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? So evidently he had heard the message about baptism. He says, what, is there anything that keeps me from being baptized? Philip says to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. You may be baptized. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He makes a clear profession of faith. See. So what are they going to do? He commanded the chariot to stand still. <laughs> and he was the one in charge. Halt! Stop the chariot. And Philip and the eunuch go down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Philip had done his mission. He completed what the Lord wanted him to do, at least that particular mission, right? So the Spirit of the Lord took him away, took him to Azotus, and he went back up towards Caesarea, which we read about in Acts later. That's where he settled. He had four daughters who prophesied, right? We read about that later in the book of Acts. He went on with the ministry up in that area. He was available, right? When the Lord needed someone, Philip was available. Philip was sensitive to the questions of the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian needed to understand what he's reading, and Philip challenged him to do that, and then was invited to help instruct the treasure on the gospel. Philip explained the gospel and it centers around a person, Jesus, right? And he explained that after you trusted the Lord, you need to be baptized. And then they come up to water. Now, did, did Philip point out the water? No, he doesn't point out the water. The Ethiopian sees the water. And that's another thing about baptism. We want the baptismal candidate, the person who hasn't been baptized that maybe wants to, we want the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. We want them to want to do it. We don't force it on them. It's not a legalistic ritual. The baptism doesn't get you saved. It only gets you wet. You get saved by trusting the Lord. But after you've trusted the Lord, the Lord wants you to do something for him. First thing he wants you to do to publicly state that you trust him. You remember the woman who reached out and grabbed his tassel, the woman that needed healing for 12 years, spent all her money on doctors and got no healing, and she reached out and just touched, and the Lord said, who touched me? He wanted her to give a testimony. And she was a little reticent, a little shy at first, but then she gives her story. The Lord wants us to give our story, too, of how he worked in our hearts and in our lives at a point in time or over a process of time, either way, to bring us to Christ. And why does he want to do that? One, it gives glory to the Lord. Secondly, it encourages others to think about their own lives. And thirdly, it gives us confidence to go on for the Lord, to go on and serve him, to go on and be a testimony for him. The last step here, the seventh I'm pointing out here and. The end of verse 39, after Philip was caught away, the eunuch saw him no more, and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He went on his way serving the Lord, taking the gospel to Addis Ababa. There's still a church in Addis Ababa, I understand, goes all the way back to the first century. Probably was a church that was established by the Ethiopian when he got back there. That's pretty fascinating. 2,000 years of testimony there in the capital city of Ethiopia. 
So you see then, he went on his way rejoicing. If you are a born-again Christian here tonight, are you rejoicing? Am I? Should we be rejoicing? Or should we be glum and gloom and trying to hide the fact that we're Christians? No, if we know that we've been saved and what we've been saved from is eternal judgment and separation from all that is good and all that is God forever and brought into our living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who's our high priest and He's given us a way to keep ourselves clean and pure because if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us from all sin, right? 1 John 1.9 he wants us to stay in relationship with Him. He wants us to walk with Him. I met a young person close to your age not too long ago. She had been saved for about five years. She was in her early 20s. And even before, I think she was in a nursing program in university, before she finished her university program, she decided she wanted her life to count for something different than where she was going up to that point. Now she was single. She wasn't married yet. And she didn't know if God had a husband for her. She figured he probably did. But she was going to trust the Lord with that. And she went out on the mission field. And she went into a dangerous area. And she's serving the Lord right now. Translating the Bible into a tribal language that doesn't have the New Testament in their language yet. Now that's making your life count for something eternal. Now she may not have two cars in the garage when she's 30 or 40. And she may not have a big IRA when she's 65. But the judgment seat of Christ, she's going to have abundant rewards, isn't she? And those rewards are going to last for all eternity. Those two cars in that garage and that boat are going to burn up. They won't go into that cemetery plot they're going to put you in. It's just six feet deep and only holds one body. So we're praying that for you, each one of you, and for me, for all of us, for the adults too, that we'll think about this story, the example of both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, the treasurer, what it means to seek out God in the Word of God, what it means to seek Him out, find Him, and do His will. And He has a particular will and service for you, each one of you, that'll blow your mind. It'll go beyond anything you ever dreamed. He wants to bless you. Because he loves you. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, O oh Lord, that, that we've had this opportunity to get together and to have some time outside and some fun with the games and spend some time getting to know some of our friends here. And we thank you we've had a time to enjoy some games inside and, and to sing and to sing with all our hearts, especially if we know the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Christ Jesus as their Savior, you would move in their hearts to ask somebody, to ask a question, not to leave and go back home and 
and put it off to the decision that they would think about their own relationship and where they're going to spend eternity. Oh, Lord, please do that work tonight for your glory. For those of us who do know Christ as Savior, Lord, we pray that we'll be challenged by the obedience of Philip, by the obedience of the Ethiopian treasurer, that we might seek out your purpose and will for our lives and do it joyfully, with joy, fulfill our calling, that you might receive glory through our lives as well. Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for those who have worked to prepare the refreshments, and we pray your blessing on the food that we'll partake of. And, Lord, thank you again. Give us journey mercies as we travel home too, Lord. We, we need such protection on the highways these days. Give us a good night of rest as we think about how much the great God of the universe loves us. And may you receive the glory and the thanksgiving as we pray in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.